Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood, and the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S, Kyle and Kellen Cotts, great trapping supply company out of Savannah, Illinois. Um, go check them out. Go to their website, CotsBros.com, and uh, really helpful guys. Um, really awesome to deal with and they got lots of stuff there they got books DVDs to help get you started and uh, learn about whatever species you are planning to trap all kinds of useful information so great to have them on and uh, thanks uh, Cosbros for supporting the podcast and I'm happy to have you guys here I'm really excited about tonight's episode Um, we've had a lot of questions from people about fur and fur grading and how we all make sense of the different grades of fur and the terminology around all that. Because a lot of us send our fur out to auction, to the major auction companies, either NAFA or FHA, and you get back this slip which shows all of the, or or if you're like me and you you may look at it online, and you pull up your account and you see how all your animals graded, and all those pelts are have all these different symbols uh, around them, um, specifying the size and color and and uh, the primeness of the fur and everything. And lots of potentially confusing things. So I I struggle making sense of it a lot of times, and a lot of you do as well. And I've I've seen and heard that with a lot of the feedback that you have sent me and and asked more about clarification there. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to get somebody who is um, really in this game in a big way and and right in the middle of things. So in this episode, we have an interview with Mark Taylor from Fur Harvesters Auction Inc. in um, North Bay, Ontario. And he graciously agreed to have a chat with me about fur grading and a little bit of basics on FHA. And, and we went through a lot of these details about how fur is graded and what all those uh, abbreviations uh, mean. And, and we, I think we cleared up a lot of things. I know I learned a whole heck of a lot about fur grading. And I was really excited about, about it and excited to share it with you guys. I think you'll learn a lot too. And uh, as always, uh, it's great to have you here. You can contact me with any further questions uh, about trapping or the podcast or anything else in general jrodwood at gmail.com j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com thanks again and enjoy the episode so mark taylor uh you are with fur harvesters auction in north bay ontario canada yes and what's your position i look after after trapper relations uh public education stuff like that i'm also a fur grader so i grade uh, coyotes lynx fishers raccoons Awesome. So we got in touch with the right guy. Um, a lot of sure a lot of people from uh, that listen to the podcast get um, send me emails with questions about fur grading, and um, there's there's definitely a lot of confusion around different grades of fur, how it's graded, and what all those different symbols mean. So uh, I'd love to get into that. Um, but first, I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, I we've never met before, but I I feel like I know you because I saw you on. Uh, for Harvesters NWT um, with oh, Andrew yeah. Stanley there doing a couple of yeah. episodes. Um, but tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, I've been uh, trapping since, uh, I guess, 
the age of four with my grandfather. I started that, so that was uh, 40 years ago. Um, so I've always been involved with trapping. Um, from there, I went to uh, Fish and Wildlife College here in Ontario um, and graduated as a Fish and Wildlife Tech. And after that, uh, I got hired on at the Fur Harvesters here in North Bay and started at the, you know, at the bottom. But uh, I worked uh, my way up to, uh, to learn how to grade and everything else. So. Nice. When did you start so, with Fur Harvesters? Uh, uh, um, originally, I started in about 1993, um, and I took some time off uh, in the early 2000s, um, moved away for a little bit, but then just came back about six years ago um, and resumed where I left off. So, right on. Uh, that's what I've been doing. And as far as trapping background, um, I, I, I run a registered trap line here in Ontario, um, and I've actually been working on two of them, but uh, with an overall, you know, catch uh, beavers, muskrats, pretty much anything that's uh, available, so. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I saw a picture on your Instagram. You were working on building a new uh, trapping cabin? Yeah, yeah. So I just got permission. Uh, we have to wait for, obviously, permission from the, the local uh, government here to get uh, to build a camp. But, yeah, I built a, a new camp on my new line there. So that's uh, pretty exciting and hopefully get to spend a lot more time out in the bush uh, awesome. next fall. How far away yeah. is that from where you live? Uh, it's about an hour door-to-door, so it's it's not too bad. Nice. Good deal. And so, so is Ontario, it's split up into registered trap lines, very similar to other parts of Canada? Uh, yeah, there's two different sections. Uh, the, most of the northern part, the crown or government land is set up into uh, these registered lines. And then down in the southern part of uh, the province, it's it's private land only. So uh, depending on where you get permissions from, similar to most of the other places. Uh, oh, okay. You know, you have to get written permission, landowner permission to trap there. But uh, So if you didn't have a trap line, you could still do a little bit of trap in there. You uh, could, yeah, as long as you get the, the landowner permission, right? So Yeah, right on. Yeah. And um, maybe a little bit of background on fur harvesters, because I, I think a lot of people hear about FHA and they hear about NAFA and don't really know the difference. So is the there difference? a difference, and what is that? Um, yeah, the difference. So fur harvesters, I mean... Um, where we're at here in North Bay, there's been a, uh, an auction company since 1947, and we're just uh, the continuation of the original company that started. It was originally just for trappers in Ontario, and since then, uh, back in 1991, um, we started fur harvesters here from the remnants of that old company that went uh, bankrupt, I guess. And uh, But anyway, we're uh, run by trappers, so our um, we have a board of directors that's uh, you know all um, trappers or for harvesters in some sort. Um, most of the staff that work here are trappers or have had a trapping license. So we, that's pretty much the biggest difference between us and, and NAFA is, uh, okay. you know, we, we kind of understand what's going on with you guys because we are trappers uh, ourselves. And to me, that's pretty important. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but other than that, we're basically, you know, set up in the same um, kind of format as, as NAFA. Um, but uh, we deal strictly... Uh, you know, majority is uh, wild fur. We do a little bit of fox ranch fur, um, but that's uh, a very small portion of our business. Okay, yeah, because I remember seeing on on one of those videos, uh, it looked like a little bit of ranch fur, and I always thought I always thought FHA was wild fur only, but I hesitated to say that because I I wasn't sure. Yeah, and some of these, it. yeah, some of these fox, you know, quite a few of them are actually trappers as well. So that's one of the reasons we we got into the fox part of it was because they wanted us they're already selling their wild fur through us and they wanted us to uh, see if we could sell their ranch fur you know yep. they weren't happy with where they were dealing with the 
before so that's why we've we've taken on that that role for them um you know just just to help them out as well because like i said a lot of them trap you know there's uh once the chores are done on the farm you know in the fall then they had time to go trapping as well so right um, yeah that's you know we just try and look after everybody as best we can so that's pretty neat how many people you have working there uh in the busy season which is from um december to june we have about roughly 30 staff members wow and in the in the off season uh, we're down to about 12 yeah no kidding um and so so you're you're handling the vast majority of the fur that you're handling is wild fur and it's coming from i'm assuming you get you get more you maybe get more northern fur than nafa gets but you get fur from everywhere right yeah, so our, our shipper base is all right across North America, so from Alaska um, to as far south as Florida. You know, wherever there's a fur harvesting season, um, we can we collect furs from. The majority of the fur does, you know, come from the north, um, but our business is probably half and half Canadian uh, and American goods. Okay. So we do collect, collect quite a bit from the state yep. as well. So the fur comes in and... Uh, can you give us a little, quick little run through of what happens to sure. the fur from the time you get it to the time it's sold? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So starting off, obviously, uh, most of your you know followers will know that uh, the stuff gets shipped by uh, an agent uh, from from wherever they are to us with uh, all their information on a on a card, uh, trapping license number, and all that stuff. Once we get the fur in our building, uh, the bags are opened and all this furs are recounted um, for quantity just because we are human and we do make mistakes so we want to verify the counts. Um, if there is an issue with the count we have somebody else recount it so we have a double check system and then we make the changes accordingly. From there the, that information is entered into a computer system uh, under each trapper and their account number and then a barcode tag is assigned um, with that account number attached to it to each skin uh, that the trapper sent in. So then we can track those skins throughout the whole process, um, throughout the whole timeline as to where they came from and who they belong to. And that helps us at the end of the process to um, be able to tell what the trapper deserves or what they sold their actual skins for. Sure. So once that's done, um, the furs go to respective area in the building. If they're long-haired furs, such as uh, foxes, lynx, coyotes, marten, fisher, they go through a drumming process, which is... Uh, just a cleaning process. It's a big round uh, drum as it's self-explanatory. It's tumbled with sawdust, water, and laundry detergent, and that just cleans the fur and makes it easier for the grader to determine the grade. Uh, makes the, the skins look a lot nicer. Okay, so they're tumbled before you grade them then? Yes, yeah. Okay. Because of what it does is it, it takes any grease or blood or dirt or anything out of the fur. Uh, yeah. makes it look, you know, really nice. If it's matted down, then the grader can't tell how heavy it is and, and whatnot or how much... Uh, the guard hair coverage is there if it's if it looks poor. So we're just we do that to to make sure that we get them the best grade possible. Yeah. Um, so from there, then they go to the grading stations. Uh, they're sized, so put into respective size categories, graded for size, color, quality, um, things like that. Um, so once that's all done, then we bundle them up in what we call a lot, um, L-O-T, and that's just a group of the same. Uh, grade um, skins and depending on the species or the size will determine how many go in that particular bundle um, but then they're grouped that way once that's done they're 
that information is entered into a catalog. So if you had uh, 50 beavers of a certain grade, that information goes into a catalog. The, the lot is assigned a number, and then all those skins, uh, they're in that particular bundle, are scanned, all the barcodes are scanned. And that way we know that, say, myself had three skins in that particular bundle. Um, and that information is put onto you. It goes right to your account. So that when we sell that particular lot, we know it sold for, say, $10.00. Um, that means that the computer automatically generates the fact that I had three skins in there, so it would assign me thirty dollars. Okay, yep. Yep. and that's that's how we keep track of who has what, and you know, what, so they get paid the, the proper amount for the fur that they brought in. Yeah, and I think uh, some people maybe are confused about the lotting process. Can you explain how how lotting is uh, is the the reason you lot is to help get the most value for those furs? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, to, so to lot it is, obviously, that's the next step after grading. So we, we want to make sure that what the trappers send in, they get paid for. So when we lot it, um, that way we can keep track of those skins. So the lotting is basically just, um, again, scanning those skins into that particular grade so that the trapper gets what they deserve. And that's the important part to make sure yeah. of that. Because we know the skins are all of different quality, and we want to make sure that, you know, if you do a really nice job handling your fur... You have nice fur, you get paid top dollar for it, um, you know, in that sense. So. Yeah, and I think and that's how we keep track of it. We don't want to mix up anybody's fur, right? So. Right. I think the one thing that we often forget about is, you know, you think, well, I just sent 20 Martin to fur harvesters and, you know, I get, get a check back. Um, those 20 Martin from me are not getting grouped up, you know, together and being sold as one because there no. are buyers that are looking for all different sizes and colors and grades so exactly. the reason you yeah, sort I guess them that, out. yeah and that's that's the purpose not j- just so that the trapper gets what he deserves but so that they're of like um qualities because different qualities are used for different processes or different types of garments and the buyers don't want uh a bunch of different skins they want all skins of the same size the same color and the same grade as far as quality and, and heaviness and fullness you know so that's that's the basic reason for the grading yeah i think that's a a pretty uh that's the service that i see the 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 auction houses and and the really large fur buyers provide for us as trappers is is combining our furs with all these different furs from other places right. to get a uniform group that a buyer's going to want and you, and you get you end up getting a, a better price for your stuff that way if you just have a group of stuff and the buyer you know if you have a country buyer and he looks at it and he goes oh there's some good ones there's some bad ones there's some mediocre i'll give you x amount and he you know probably won't give you what it's completely worth but if you had you know and, and you're taking his word for it too right so <laughs> right. their word for it so, but when you send it through an auction company like ours, we, we grade it out and that's, it's, you know, it's sorted properly as to that's good stuff. And so you get the maximum, maximum amount. If unfortunately you have poor fur, then, you know, you get the, you know, you get less money, but it, it works, I think, completely to the benefit of the trapper to have them all graded properly. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, here's where we get into a little bit of the confusing part. Um, I'm pulling up uh, one of my... Uh, I just logged into my Fur Harvester's account, and I've got a description from uh, March sale 2018. And so I've got just a few Martin, Fisher, and Weasel here. And here's where a lot of confusion has come from from guys that are saying, so the first Martin I have is, is uh, it's a bunch of abbreviations. So LG, SD, PL, XPL. 
Uh, I got one LG Select and number one PL, and it's a whole variety. And I think every, almost every one is a different uh, is a different grade. So that's where right. the, that's where really I'd love to hear more from you on how you go through the process and how all those are assigned and what they mean. Okay, no problem. So starting off um, with that, let's do this. So you have LG. So that's going to be your size, okay? So that stands for large. Um, if you had 1X or 2X, 3X, um, that's just, so 1X would be extra large, 2X double, 3X triple, okay? Yep. So that's the large. Um, so the again, that's the first step in, in the grading process is the size. Okay, okay so so, there, so are we looking like with the abbreviations, is that all in order of how it's graded? Yes. Okay, so it's like Pretty size much. and it, weight of the fur and then color? Yeah, some graders do it a little differently, but that's basically that's the the general rule is to you size them, then you uh, you do grade them for the next step would actually be grade them for damages. That's what you're looking. Some okay. of these things happen all at once, though. You know what I mean? I can look for damages and then um, the weight or you know all at the same time. Or number one all at the same time, and then put into its you know they have we have bins or racks or whatever of all the same grade then they go into there from there once they're sorted it's kind of broke down they're they're sorted that way um so for heaviness and, and damages and then they're colored after so um but anyway so that's you're right it's basically the the steps so so the first description is large or extra large medium small whatever that's the size that's what you're looking at um and in the case of martin select um plus number one i think that's what you said uh, yeah, that's one of them I'm looking at. Yeah, so select and ones. Um, so select, obviously, that's or SEL, that stands for select, so that's the top grade. Okay, so that, that skin there has really good uh, guard hair coverage, so the longer hair on the outside okay. completely covers the underfur, so you can't see that underfur underneath. Um, number ones is then just uh, maybe a little weaker, not quite as much. So what happens when you see two of those descriptions together is that we haven't split them. There's maybe not enough skins to, to separate the selects from the ones and we oh, join them together. Oh, okay. That makes right. a lot of so, sense. So that gets into a marketing aspect. It's um, they, The buyers want large quantities. They're making coats, you know, and they're not just making one. They're making, a th you know, 100 or 1,000 coats at a time. So when you group them together like that, um, it, it allows you to have a bigger quantity in that particular grade. So that's a judgment call that we're not going to during the process. Yeah. And we're not going to put the selects in with the, you know, the damage good light or something yeah. like that. Right. So there is a, a limit to what we can throw together, but that's, so when you see two descriptions like that, anyway, that's, uh, that's what it is. So that fur could okay. be either or. It could be either or yeah. Select or a number one. Okay. Either way, it's, uh, you know, in a good grade. Now, does that mean that you've already graded it as one of those and then they were put together? Or when you were grading, did you, you just had one bin to go in for the selects and the ones? Yeah, and again, again, that depends on, um, you know, what we figure we're going to have for quantities. We, we generally know how many we have ahead of okay. time. And, we're, we, and certain grades you get more of than others. So we automatically, like you said, group them together. Sometimes we will, though, separate them first and then throw them together. Okay. Okay. Just depends on Afterwards. what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, because if we grade them out and we say, oh, geez, we don't have enough of these to make anything, we'll just put them with another group yeah. and join them. 
Um, so after that, what was after your number one? Um, and then uh, we have PL. I assume that's a color. PL. That's a color. So that's sort of a shade. In Martin, it's the color. It's, it's, so it's pale. Um, and I'm just going to... Yeah. So... So there must be special categories for Martin colors because they vary so much. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't so see it. I'm looking pale. at fur grading terminology um, from one of your documents right. here, and I, I don't see the Martin colors on it. No, I don't think we have that, to be honest. I probably should, but uh, anyway. So, yeah, generally you have, you would start with uh, extra pale, pale, then we go to light brown brown um, and dark okay okay and depending on the species too we call them different things or different colors okay there's yep. different terminology for that so that those colors aren't necessarily assigned to say like um, muskrats or, or mink or something like that sure and in in um, that depends on what buyers are looking for right it, the color? Yeah, in terms of like like for Martin, they tend to want darker colors or brown, right. brown than a pale, right? Yeah. Whereas maybe other species, there's not as much variation there. Right. Yeah, there could be. Um, beavers, we only have three different colors. Okay. Um, it doesn't really matter so much, and they don't. And again, they, yeah, they don't vary quite as much. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, that and and so. Um, for, I know this is going to be a hard question to answer, but, uh, generally is, can you say whether a size, uh, fullness of the fur or color, which one of those is the most important, uh, in, in determining the value of a pelt? Um, yeah, it's color and, and heaviness would be the. Well, obviously size, for one thing, you know, I guess that's, it's kind of, yeah, it is it's a difficult question, I'm going to try and explain it, but <laughs> yeah. um, if you had, size is one thing, but it, uh, so if I had a, a large, heavy skin, say, and it say it was pale, and those are all the top price criteria, right, so it's a large, heavy, so they pay the most for heavies and they pay the most for pails, uh -huh. whatever the species might be. So that's you're going to get the most of. Um, but then if you were to look at an extra large, so the next size up, so it's bigger, um, but a semi-heavy, which is not quite as heavy, um, pale again, all right? So now it's got, it's worth more because it's an extra large. It's still worth a lot because it's pale, but it's only semi-heavy, so it's not quite as heavy or valuable as far as weight, mm -hmm. but with those mm -hmm. other two criteria being the top, then it now makes it worth more than the large heavy pail. Do you understand? Okay. Yep. So you can have a bigger, you can have a smaller skin. Um, and then, and that saying that too, you could, it could go the other way. You could have a large, and it, it all depends on, you know, what the demand is, but you could also have a large heavy pail that's worth more than a, an extra large skin. Yeah, but but basically it's it's kind of set up that way. It's so a, I would say size, obviously square inches is, is a, the biggest factor, um, and then after that it would be weight and then color. 
color is not quite as important these days to dye most of those skins. Okay. Um, a, you know, a certain color, or they they put uh, they call an uptone into it, so it's a brightener, it makes it a little clearer, kind of a, I don't know, just a different color. But uh, most of the skins today are have some sort of thing done to them. So the like the Martin that we get from the lower forty-eight um, that are they tend to be very either pale or kind of like an orangish color. Um, yeah. Do you know if the, are those getting dyed or they're just getting used for something different? I uh, I would say they're probably being dyed um, either brown or or black even. Okay. Um, that orangey color that's not really those the orangey ones are the the paler ones. Um, if there's not a lot of orange in them, they'll they'll do that uptone and it kind of. I, don't, I can't describe it over the phone. You'd have to actually see it, but it makes them look a lot nicer, and they can use them kind of more natural, but the other ones are definitely, um, you know, if they have that. I know my Martin in, in Ontario are similar to that, too. We get lots of orange ones. Okay. And that's not a very desirable color, so yeah. they would dye them, you know, again, black or whatever. So. so we're getting a lower price for that because it's going to cost them more to go through that dyeing process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, anytime they have to do something to that skin to get to what they want, then, you yeah, know, they're going to lower the price because it's the cost of them. So, so um, you talk about the the heaviness of the fur. Um, basically, for you know, there's a lot of different terms, but I I guess I, one word I'd use is like how prime the fur is. That yeah. Um, how do you judge that? Is that a is that just a do you have any tips on like things that you do to to tell, or is it just kind of a thing that you can you just look at it and you know by looking at it? Yeah, it's it's um it's actually a a feel. So it's just the way we rub the skin. So if you know, if we want to keep talking about Martin, you grab the skin by the the head, um, and then you would rub your fingers through it backwards, basically from the tail up towards the head, uh-huh. and just kind of feel. We call it cushion or the amount of under fur that's there, and it's something that has to be learned through trial and error and, and a lot of practice and, and going through thousands and thousands of skins before <laughs> yeah. you determine whether you have a, a heavy or a semi-heavy and that's, you know, that's the learning how to grade, I guess. That's so it's not something something that most trappers can get good at. They might be able to tell it's, you know, it's a heavy skin um, versus something that's pretty weak, but it's basically it's the in-between stuff that where the graders come into in the play and that's their judgment call and that's just their practice and their experience, being able to tell, and that's all grading is, is, is does this skin belong in this grade or does it belong in that grade? Yeah. You know, making that decision and, and sticking to it, we call it a line, so we have that line between the grades and we have to decide which one goes where. And that only comes with experience. That's not, you can't really, you know, look at something or, or pick that up quickly. It's just a, a matter of time. So uh, I'm guessing you spent a lot of time alongside an experienced grader and just you guys kind of graded a bunch of furs together and made sure you were you were doing it the same way? Yeah, exactly. So when I started, like you said, stand next to a, a, an experienced grader, um, and then he or she would let me go through a bunch of skins, and I would separate them into piles, and then they would go back through them, and then they would grade them themselves, and they'd tell me, no, this one should go here and this okay. one should go there and then just so i got the idea of okay now i can see why that one went there you know and that right. kind of just establishes that line that i was talking about so that's what you're learning and but so that was just constantly doing that over and over again until i got you know uh able to do it on my own consistently and, and being consistent is the key because you don't want the buyers don't want 
the wrong skins and you know they're buying heavy skins they don't want any of those semi skins in there right that's not what they're purchasing so right yeah that's to do that so and we operate on a pretty tight tolerance as far as misthrown skins i mean we are human so the mistakes are made but um we basically operate on a three percent error margin on on our grading so three out of 100 skins can be in the wrong grade without it you know the buyers complaining too much yeah so it's not a lot it's pretty pretty tough yeah you know so so you're looking at uh you're running your finger along and you're telling uh the under fur how thick the under fur yeah. is now uh, are you at the same time, are you you're looking at the guard hair as well to tell if that is covering the underfur? Yeah, it depends on the species too. Okay, because uh, like coyotes, you really it. want to have the guard hair kind of complete all the way around. Um, yeah. Maybe so, maybe we so should talk about you... a coyote more, so because I'm yeah. there's a lot more guys trapping coyotes that are listening to this, and I'm getting into Martin yeah. a little too much. Maybe. Um, yeah, well, they're, they're very similar. All those skins, the, the different. Um, fur out stuff like that or the long hair but it's basically the same process and when we talk about um, heavy versus semi-heavy that's what we call a weight or a section Um, so first off we would look at the guard hair coverage okay so that quality so whether it's um, a select on ones or ones and twos whatever the description might be or good too okay so that all those descriptions all reflect on guard hair coverage okay Okay. so select being completely covered um down to let's talk you know we could talk about a good two which is very weak you can you can very it's not the worst but it's really sparse you can tell that there's not a lot of guard hair there um you can see a lot of the under fur through the guard hair it's you know it's not covered um so so anyway that's that's what that is so um so we would do that and then depending on the species like Martin and we would do that first, then we would section it or, or give it a weight heavy semi after in the case of coyotes, we do it all at the same time. So we look for under fur and how thick it is and the coverage, um, and then put it into its pile all at once. Okay. And so the, un- um, uh, just so I'm clear on it, the under fur and the guard hair coverage, they will take on the same grade or are they two different descriptions? They're two, they're two different descriptions. So we could have select heavies or okay. we could have select okay. semis, okay? So again, select is referring to the guard hair coverage. Heavy or semi refers to the weight or the amount of underfur. Okay. Okay, so you, you see what I'm saying? You could have a really covered, well-covered coyote um, caught first part of the season, but it just doesn't have the underfur there. Okay. Does that make okay. sense? So the guard so hairs are coming in, um, the guard hairs tend to come in earlier, or is it more of a, yeah. just varies depending on the area? Some coyotes have better guard hair than others? Well, that, yeah, I mean, there's those factors too, right? The health of the animal and, you know, how well it's eating and where it's, what location it's coming from in North America, that kind of idea. But basically they, they come in at the same time, but the guard hairs usually finish before the uh, underfur does. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the other thing being different sections or weights um, depending on where you are in, in the country or you know whether you're coming from the states like Pennsylvania places like that they have flat coyotes right just like the foxes they have short fur yeah. um, they're never going to be a heavy so um, heavies generally come from the more northern parts of the states um, and into Canada okay okay so section I, I know it's really confusing a section could be just uh, where it's 
wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're uh, covering a lot of ground here. This is good. And yeah. I, I'm wondering I where did. the section, like, where did the term section come from? Because I always think of it as section of the country or section of the, a region. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um, but for us, a section could be the heavy section, and it could mean it's coming from, in coyotes, it's coming from Ontario, Quebec, um, New Brunswick, you know, and places like where you're, you know, if you're in Maine or those places, uh, New York, you know, could have heavy coyotes. So that section is a, a reflection of how heavy it is, I guess. So those might be like uh, section yeah. one, for instance? Yeah. Well, that's that's another. <laughs> um, section one, section two, section three, you've probably seen those, third section. Yes. Um, that's a marketing. Again, that's the same term used for marketing and same term used in creating so marketing section one would be all the clean skins that don't have any um much damage okay. section three is uh, third section is the damage section okay so the, okay so again it's it is really complicated and it's hard to uh yeah so explain it's, it all it's not necessarily something that we can you can look at your fur and say well this is because i have a main beaver which tend to grade pretty well Right. It, it could grade section three not because of the the pelt uh, thickness or the primeness. It could grade section three because it's damaged. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, that's the way the sections are broke down. Yeah. In that sense, and then again, we have the sections determined by how heavy they are and how you know that kind of idea or how long the fur is. So if you want to talk about raccoons, I mean they have. We have lots of sections of raccoons, and that's just because depending on where they come from, if they're from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, those coons have, you know, uh, they're fairly long in, in, in terms of nap. We call the length of the fur nap, just like on a paint roller, you know? Yeah. Um, versus raccoons from Pennsylvania, Ohio, that have a shorter fur. Uh, coat coons, which we get from southern states like uh, Indiana and, and Missouri and those types of things, those really, really short. Um so that's a section in that sense too. So. Huh. Yeah. I know it's confusing. It's uh, <laughs> there's a lot to it. So and that's what a lot of trappers, you know, they don't understand. And that's part of that grading process that you said, like, they, why do we ship it there? And this is all what we do to make sure that they they go with skins that are all alike. Yeah, because not it's hard that, to know what you have a lot of times. Yeah, and and not saying that just because you're from Maine, you know, uh, your skins are all going to go with Maine skins. We grade the fur, not, we always say, we don't give it a zip code. Right. Okay. So if, you, if your fur belongs with stuff from Minnesota or Wisconsin, or it belongs with, in the section from Northern Canada, that's where it's going to go. Okay. So we look at the fur and then determine where it goes. Yeah. And actually it's Again, interesting. We have a lot of people comment on that and say, I sent coons from, such and such part of the country and they actually graded with the minnesota coons for instance right and that's that's what it is you know we've had guys um catch coyotes you know eastern coyotes and they go in with the western coyotes yeah which are the, the higher price stuff it, it all depends on what the fur looks like yeah. so we've had people in the past say oh well you know just because i'm from maine that's where my fur goes well no it doesn't it goes where it belongs and that's the benefit of having it created you know if we left it all in the main section, then you may not get as much for it, but we want to make sure you guys get as much possible for your fur. And if that's where it goes, that's where it goes. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the auctions, I can't remember whether it was FHA or NAFA this last winter, uh, 
I had there were a couple guys down the road from me that got it over a hundred dollars for some of their coyotes, and yeah. you know, we're usually looking at a you know a twenty-five to forty-dollar coyote maybe. Right. So yeah. so that was just must have been a case where they just graded. You know, there was something with the color and quality there that they graded in with the western coyotes. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, Some, it doesn't happen very often, but usually, you know, every once in a while, you get one that <coughs> deserves it into those other sections, and you know, that's what we're here for. So, uh, I'm going to ask you off the top of your head, maybe, to give me a, uh, throw out a few symbols, a few of these uh, abbreviations, uh, just to kind of. Just a little exercise in understanding uh, some examples of, of where fur might grade. So let's say there's a okay. guy down in Tennessee and he ships coyotes and, you know, yep. caught, caught, say, in, in November in Tennessee. And they're, they're uh, you know, maybe not the best quality, but, you know, I actually had a guy that sent some coyotes to one of the auctions from Tennessee and, and he only got, you know, like $15 and he was trying to figure out what did I do wrong? And, and I've tried right. to, you know to go through, you know, the reason for that had nothing to do with his fur handling. Um, but what might those coyotes show up in as a grade on, on his, his ticket? Um, so they would be, you could have size first, obviously you could have, um, one dash two. Okay. Or, you know, ones and twos, we call them. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the weight would be, uh, what we call flat. Okay. Especially from Tennessee because they're they're short fur. They may you know they may have the under fur, but uh, they're either flat or what we call light, so LT. Okay. Okay. And that's that's where they would end up. So nothing he's done. Obviously, that's just again that's the nature of the animal from the location. So they'd have one two one dash two flat or LT, and maybe yeah. a color after that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about uh, one of those big coons from Minnesota that tends to do well? Um, so they could be a select, uh, select ones, you know, um, and they would be uh, um, heavy, semi, um, and then a color. We don't really break them down a whole lot. We break them down more as a section. So um, in the so what happens then is in our catalog with the list of all the different lots, we have different sections again there's another one a section in the catalog for all the skins that are that minnesota wisconsin type okay okay so it would be sold separately from so you could have select heavy a colored coon from minnesota and then you could have select heavy a colored coon from um Ontario. That's another section, say. Okay, and they're right. sold separately. Same grade, but di different section, and they're sold at different times. You know, so basically, it's different catalogs for every section that we have. So we have a what we call a Minwis, so Minnesota Wisconsin section. We have an Ontario section or Canadian section. Um, we have an Eastern uh, U.S. section, which would be uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And then so all those sections each have all the grades that all the other sections are but they're all from that particular area and now that doesn't mean that that like you said there are some furs that maybe were not caught there that can go into that exactly yeah so as they go through and and they do what they call sections so they're looking at how long guard hair is and how heavy it is if they find a bunch or they find a skin that belongs better in a different section they'll pull it out 
and then they'll transfer it over to okay. that. So it's just a simple way of showing like a representative pelt that comes typically yeah. from that area. Yeah, typically those sections, and that's why we do like Minnesota, Wisconsin, different from Pennsylvania or, or New York or that kind of thing, right? And I assume the buyers General, are looking for Minnesota coon if for right. a specific they know, use. They know where they are, yeah, okay. exactly. That because they all have great. different um, qualities about them, you know. Um, Canadian coon, Ontario coon are really woolly, so they have a lot of thick underfur, better for uh, trim and that kind of thing. Um, and then the eastern U.S. coon are, are shorter, but they have straighter guard hair, straighter guard hair, straighter underfur, and used more for coats and stuff like that. Okay. Again, they have that different use, and that's why we, again, why we pull them and separate them. Yeah. Now, um, I have one other question about the grading, and because this has come up a little bit recently uh, from s- several trappers online, I've seen where guys are are uh, are talking about the the grades changing, um, and and I know you talked about you know there's a line with the grades and and it, one right. grade goes here and one goes here and you stick with that line. Um, are there cases where depending on the market conditions, um, I know you mentioned you lot some some grades together, uh, but are there ever cases right. where the grade actually changes? So the so that would be the line changing. So say between a heavy and a semi. Right. Um, not no. So we grade them the same. The problem is, and I know I I know where you're coming from. The graders sometimes they'll hear the trappers say, "Oh, the graders were tough on me this year." Right. Exactly. Right? Or and that's I think that's what you're getting at. Like right? they say, when the grader when the, during a low market, maybe the grade gets tougher. In a high market, there's there's a little bit less of that uh, pickiness. Yeah. Gen- yeah. Generally not. Um, sometimes when Obviously, yeah, the the they're not paying a whole lot for them. We try and we try and give the benefits to the trapper, but as far as being harder on them, that's not usually the case. And what happens is you'll see, and we notice it when we're looking at the collection. I can go through my my collection of coyotes and, and start grading. I'm going, geez, they don't look very nice this year. And I'm not just talking about individual skins, the collection as a whole. Uh-huh. So depending on the year, depending on who knows what. Um, you know the the feed that's available, or or you know fur primes up with the amount of sunlight or lack of sunlight, not so much the temperature, but for whatever reason, some years the skins look better than others. Yeah, um, can't explain it, but that's what happens, and that's why when the trapper says, "Oh, they were hard on my stuff," no, the stuff just wasn't the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, and, we look at it the not same year to year. At, not looking at enough skins, you wouldn't really know that. No, as a trapper, and, and if and again, if you you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of the trappers that are ignorant to good stuff versus bad stuff, or they don't have the experience that we do to say, well, these are good skins. Obviously, to most trappers, all their skins. Everybody's are good, right? fur is, is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And, 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 you know, I don't mean to be mean, but that's that's the issue, right? And, and they may think, um, you know, they had a really good collection, and it, it may not turn out so well that way, but. Uh, yeah. But that's what happens. Sometimes we say, "Oh, yeah, the collection was really nice this year. We had a lot of, you know, the skins look good." But other years, not so good. So, so more of where you will see the changes is when, say, you'll take you take a select and a heavy and put them together for marketing purposes. Um, right. But that's assuming that they're going to get the best price by doing that. Yeah. So in that case too, like I mean, uh, the one guy, you know, take for example, 
say the trapper got a lot of selects and ones. Well, the next year we had lots of selects and lots of ones, so we split them apart, and the trapper ended up getting mostly ones, yeah. depending on where he's from. So he's like, geez, I don't get any selects this year. Well, maybe he never had any in the first place. Oh, he was just yeah. part of the grouped select and ones. You understand? This is Yeah, this is absolutely going to explain a lot of confusion. Okay. Um, that makes so, perfect sense. Because we hear and, that all the again, time, like I, all my coyotes, the same animals from the same area graded this one year, and then they graded this the next year. Right. So, so that, so there's a couple of combinations of things that could have happened. Right. A, they just weren't, they just didn't have the fur this year mm-hmm. for whatever reason. B, we split it, and you, depending on where you're from, they never were nice. And geograph location has a lot to do with the fur quality. I mean. Some areas, say specifically here in Ontario, you know, you go four hours south of here, um, they have really nice beavers uh, in a certain section of Ontario over towards the Quebec border. But you go four hours southwest of here, um, down towards the Detroit-Windsor area, um, they have really terrible beavers, hmm. you know. So um, nothing you can do about it. So Yeah. Interesting. Um, speaking yeah. of beavers, um, I assume you're still you're still going through the same grading process, but it... It just, it seems like it, it's, uh, we're really getting killed on those high quality beavers uh, that used to be at, at a premium to the Hatter beavers. Now it seems like we're almost getting the same uh, same price. Yeah, well we are because because the price is so low, the, the Hatter people are buying the grades a little bit better grades above them because they're at the price range they can still afford. Um, the problem with the, the select beavers, you know, the, the good stuff is the, the market's not there for them right now. They're they're really expensive to have dressed and processed. Um, it's pretty much done here in North America, where you know uh, wages are expensive. A lot of these other uh, dressing plants are are overseas: China, Cambodia, uh, places like that. France, they have you know lower uh, labor rates and, and things like that, so they can do it cheap cheaper. As far as you know, dressing beavers and plucking and shearing them, it's a, a North America talent and they huh. haven't figured it out uh, elsewhere in the world. Um, if they could, then, you know, maybe they could do them a little cheaper. And so, and so that reflects that they're not using beaver as much. Okay. Um, so for those, and that's what we've been noticing, right? Is, is the hatter market's really strong? Because um, it's basically a cut and dry process. You know, they're grinding them up. They're not really doing much to them. Yeah. So. Do you see that um, that hatter market weakening at all coming up, or do you think are we are we um, oversaturating it? Maybe. No, no, no. It's um, you know th- what it's going to happen is you're never going to see them go above the price that they're at for those damaged skins. Yeah. They can only they basically buy them by the pound. Okay, so they know they can pay eight or nine dollars a pound per beaver. So um, that's that's what they're basing their price on because felt is dealt with in pounds. Um, not so much for quality, right? So, right. But the, but there's definitely still a, a huge hatter market from what we you know we've been talking to some of the buyers in the last you know month or so, and they're still looking for good. Um, it's and the quantities trapped uh, the production is really down. Low, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. We need something. Um, could you just quickly, what is a shearable beaver? Uh, you hear that people hear that a lot, but maybe not everybody understands the term shearable. Shearable, so the uh, in order to be shearable, it has to have a certain length. So we shears. There's different lengths of shear. So meaning, when they're gone through the process, the the under fur is a certain length, and it's in mill. Um, we 
we do it in millimeters. I don't know what it would be in inches, but uh, so depending on, in order to be shearable, it has to be a certain length, okay? So it has to be, say, three-eighths of an inch. And that's the, under the guard, the guard hair or the underfur? The underfur. Okay. So sheared, um, the first step is they pluck out all the guard hair. And that's okay. done manually, and that's another reason why it's so expensive. Oh, that's got to be brutal. You got So basically they do it, they put the beaver on a beam, almost and very similar to just fleshing it on the leather side, and they flesh or they scrape off all the guard hair on the fur side uh, with a draw knife type thing. Wow. So that's the first step, and then they run the, the sheared beaver, or the plucked beaver through a machine, almost like a wood planer, and it shears it down to whatever depth they want. But it okay. has to be a minimum of... Uh, you know, 10 or 12 millimeters or whatever that is in order to be shearable. So, so, so that way it'll be even and level once it's sheared off. Exactly, yeah. And the other thing is if it's too flat, then the machine can't actually cut the, the hair off. Okay. It has to have something there to cut off. And those are going to yeah. be more made into coats? Yes, coats and hats and things like that. Um, so those, those are basically, though, your heavy and semi-beavers if you're looking at weights on your uh, return. Um, if it says heavy or semi, those are both shearable, just a different length. Heavy, so you can leave them longer. Semis are going to be a shorter, um, you can end up with shorter sheared. Okay. Huh. Well, that, geez, we've covered a lot of ground, Mark. Um, yeah, there's a lot of info there, and it's, it's a lot to absorb, and I, I'm hoping I'm getting my your point across or yeah, we're learning something about what goes on up here. Absolutely. Well, well, now we're starting to make sense of a, a bunch of different terms and symbols and everything. So, just I yeah. think it's one of those things, just putting all the pieces together. And if you can pick up one or two things uh, at a time, and eventually, um, eventually we'll be you know better informed when we get that get that sheet with all the de- descriptions yeah. of our furs. Yeah, and it, it helps to understand the grades. So if there is something that you, you know, as a fur handler are doing improperly, you can say, hey, look, well, I, you know, I ended up with a bunch of good slights or damaged skins, and then you can kind of remember, oh, geez, I know, try and improve on that. So you try and improve on your grades later. So Oh, uh, that's a yeah. good, that's a great thing. Um, I, I wanted to point one thing out because I had some, I had some animals that, that I, some Martin that I sent in, uh, and I had actually one that ended it graded as um, heavy damage, and it was it it had no visible damage that I could tell uh, when I sent it. And I was trying to figure yeah. out what the heck went on. Well, I was reading in one of the documents somewhere uh, that they recommend that when you put that Martin fur up, you you when you turn it, you leave the front legs inside of the yeah. belt. And I assume I was never doing that. I was taught to leave them out, and I assume that okay. that may have caught up in something in the, in the drumming process. Is that common? It, it's not common, but it does happen. So unfortunately, we can't, you know, alleviate that problem, and the damage or the the repercussion of that goes back to the trapper, right? Like it's right. still a damaged skin. We can't, even though unfortunately you send it in maybe as a good skin, um, it's still a damaged skin. We can't sell it as a good one. So. If you just do those little tricks to, to avoid that, like leaving the legs tucked in, um, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen again. So are there some other tricks or tips, or maybe maybe you could talk about some of the common things you see that you're, you're like slapping your head, like, I wish trappers would, I wish this guy would have done this differently. It would have been much more valuable fur. Yeah, um, and actually there's just one really important, and that's size for us. Okay. If you look at um, when you're stretching the fur or putting it on the, 
you know, for the beaver, if you're putting it on the lines or um, anything else. Um, for me, the as if I'm sizing skins, I get these borderline skins, we call them, that are right between one size or the other. Um, and then it's a judgment call or or you go, geez, if you just stretched it a little bit bigger, you would have made that size. Um, so having the lines with the different sizes that, you know, our size categories, which is all you can find online or in our, in our manuals that we've uh-huh. distributed, take the time to mark the different size categories on your board. So from the nose, they were doing a coyote stretcher from the nose down to say uh, 42 inches and, and draw a line across there. And then the next one's at 46 and the next one, whatever it might be, depending on the species. Mm-hmm. That way, when you pin that animal on the board, you know, you're not right on the borderline because if that animal shrinks um, to the smaller size, depending on what it is, you can be losing tens of dollars, you know, on each skin. Okay. Um, so make sure that the, when you pin in the skirt or the base of the tail, that it's well past enough the line um, that it's not going to shrink up into the next. So the for a, for a coyote, maybe would that be maybe like half an inch, something like that? Um, yeah, maybe even more. Okay. You know, because um, depending on the skin, but see, and that and for Martin, it makes a big difference because a quarter inch could. Yes. Know, they're not big animals, so a quarter inch makes a makes a big difference on the skin you know if it shrinks a quarter inch and you're, you're down from an extra large or a large into a, a medium um, you're gonna lose a lot of money so paying attention to that um, is pretty important same with beavers beavers is probably by far the worst we get skins that are um, say you had a size category for large 55 to 60 inches right yeah that's the, the okay. length, length plus we get the beavers, right so you get a beaver that measures 59 and a half inches when we size it, okay. I don't know if that's gonna make the bells and whistles or lights come on, but if that that beaver might have been an extra large at a sixty-one inch uh-huh. when the, when you started, but it shrunk down to fifty-nine and a half. It's now a large, but it's also now a large beaver that's been overstretched. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so this is this is what I'm coming where I'm coming at with sizing and, and making sure it's nailed properly. So you've now stretched that beaver. Maybe it wouldn't have been an extra large ever, but you've stretched it to 59 and a half inches. If you'd have brought it down and, and left it loose, you could have stretched it so when it dried, it was at 56 or 57 inches. Yeah. You would have made that fur that much more dense. And that's, so with everything, you know, if uh, if you don't over pull it, and that's just the trap, you have to learn that as a fur handler as to how much to pull and how much not to, to back it off. And that comes way back to what we were talking earlier about, um, potentially a large heavy skin being worth more than an extra large light skin you mm-hmm. know um so in the case of beaver definitely a heavy skin's worth more than a, a semi skin of a size higher so avoid overstretching yeah. um yeah to, but I mean, if you're but line, if you're close it, if you're right on the line yeah. then you can stretch it a little more you you can but um yeah as long as it's going to make that size that you pinned it in when it's dry because you know every skin's going to stretch or shrink when it dries so if you really have to pull it to get past the line it's probably going to shrink back up to the smaller size category and then you end up overstretching it yeah don't push it a little bit yeah um another thing that's the biggest thing go ahead with uh beaver i i think i was watching um andy andy from fha did a beaver video And uh, one of the things he mentioned was was he does something around the nose where he cuts that section off. Um, do you yeah. is there any difference there as far as a, from a grader's perspective whether that's on or off? Um, 
Well, the nose doesn't count as part of your size. So if you leave the nose on, we're going to subtract. Um, basically, we measure from an inch past the eyes. So if you leave the nose on, we're going to take off maybe an inch. Okay, but okay, if you so cut, cut it, it, if we off. cut it off, then we get credit for that length. Yeah, so it, it it's exactly where it is. So some people think, well, if I cut the nose off, it's not going to make that size. That's uh, you know, that's not an issue. I've I've stretched thousands of beavers, and if you cut the nose off, you'll still get that same size. There's enough room to play that you can get it up there without leaving that nose on. So cut it off because otherwise, what happens if you leave the nose on and we take an inch off? You might have had a 55 and a half inch beaver we take an inch off you're now down to a you know a 54 and a half and you've lost the whole size lost the whole size okay. yep yeah so size is pretty important and especially when it means the difference between one size and the next could be depending on the species you know again 10 or 15 bucks you know um, yeah you use that a, few, a bunch of times you're you're losing money so geez that that's a good one i didn't expect you to bring that one up i thought you'd say something about oh some other thing people are doing uh but that's that's really good. And uh, one other question on the size: when you measure a pelt uh, other than beaver, uh, let's say uh, a marten or a coyote, where are you where are you taking that length from the nose to right near the tail? Or are you going on the by the outer leg? It's uh, we call it the base of the tail, but it's actually um, it is actually the shortest point. So, and it could be at the edge of the the edge of the the board you know where the, the leg is there. Yeah. um it could be there so it's we actually use the shortest so that's the other issue we've talked about um is making sure that when you pin that animal it's straight across okay and there's no scalp effect because we we will we have to take it from the shortest point okay so make sure it's straight across from the edge of the board to the tail and from the tail to the opposite edge of the board and straight across and then it, there's no room for guess and you don't have you're not losing any size because what happens guys will pin you know put a pin on the outside of the tail on the edge of the board one by the tail and then it'll when it shrinks it kind of gets that scallop effect yeah shrink and and if you'd have pinned it all the way straight across it's not going to shrink so you could lose again there you could lose half an inch three quarters on a coyote you know um so make sure it's straight across yeah and i've i've been guilty of getting lazy with pins it gets tiring after a while you feel like you're all you're doing is putting pins in but it sounds like it's definitely worth doing well, like I said, when you you can lose ten bucks of skin from one side to the next, or even more, depending on what it is, yeah, uh, it's well worth taking the time to slam a few more pins in, you know. Absolutely. But other than that, uh, trapper error. I mean, it's just uh, most of the time it's making sure they're fleshed properly and stuff like that. But yeah, um, generally it's not too bad. Awesome. Well, geez, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this was a lot of great information we packed into um, yeah. a short period of time. Uh, is I, there, I, no, I enjoyed it, I, and I, it's one of the things I'm here for, and uh, like I said, I like doing it and making sure you guys know what's going on and help you guys out as much as we can so you get the most for your furs. So is there uh, a good uh, place for people to contact you for more information if they have any questions or anything um, or want to uh, learn more about this stuff? Yeah, they can contact me here uh, just at the Fur Harvester number. It's um, it's listed on the Internet or any publications. I can give it to you now. It's... Uh, 705-495-4688 um, or they can email me at mtaylor so that's m-t-a-y-l-o-r at furharvesters.com and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions and if I can't, don't know the answer myself I'll put it over to somebody who does 
Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Thanks again, Mark. Uh, really, really no appreciate problem. it. And, uh, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Certainly, anytime.